Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. You've driven to the right place, actually. And the reason is that this is where the best run. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We have a very interesting and slightly different show for you today. Last week, I was privileged to speak with nearly 20 of the 400 participants at the SAP-sponsored fourth annual Best Practices for Automotive Conference, a very popular, very well-received conference in Detroit. Detroit, the Motor City, in case you're not from this part of the world, the Motor City in Detroit, Michigan. And we're going to roll in a few of my interviews with some of the, the major thought leaders who were there. But we are going to do a normal radio show, just like we always do. So I'd, I'd like to start off with my buzz quote as usual. I have three panelists who were all there on the ground in Detroit, helping to drive innovation in automotive. So let's just get started as we always do. Here's the buzz. I have a quote from Michael Abelson, who is the Vice President of Global Strategy for GM, how appropriate. He said, the next generation looking back will see this time as a turning point for transportation. How is your automotive embracing this opportunity? That's one quote. Another quote from Abelson, quoted in Bloomberg this past February, the car of the future will sell your data. We've talked about that a lot. So what are we talking about here? At the Best Practices for Automotive Conference, we spotlighted innovations throughout the automotive ecosystem. We talked about megatrends. In case you're not familiar with the term C-A-S-E, yes, I said in case. Case, what does it mean? Connectivity, autonomous, sharing, and electrification. Four of the key topics at the conference, four of the key topics that are literally and figuratively driving automotive today, and we talked about how companies are rising to the challenge. So, what's driving the future of automotive? Number one, partnerships and collaboration. What kind? Well, there's business partnerships and there is platform technology partnerships. You all know what a platform-driven company is and how companies get together to get what they're doing out to the world in a more collaborative way. What's the bottom line here? No single company under the broad banner of automotive, and the industry lines are blurring, especially in automotive today. No single company will be able on its own to address the total needs of the customer, whether the customer is involved in ride sharing, whether they're involved in autonomous cars, whether they, like me and many others, still want to own a car and keep the keys in their own pocket. So let me tell you who my three guests are, and then we will get started with one of our Rollins. First up, a lady I worked very, very closely with at SAP in her uh, her masterminding what happened at BP for Automotive. Judy Cubis is with us, Global Director for Automotive and IMNC at SAP. Welcome, Judy. Joining her is Aswin Manapali, who is a tech writer of Observing Automotive at SAP, Aswin, welcome, and Andrew Winnick, Director of Industry Marketing at SAP. Yes, they're all at SAP because we're talking about the conference. So, Judy Kubis has sent me a quote from Harriet Tubman, an American abolitionist and political activist who was born into slavery and escaped, and she made 13 missions to rescue approximately 70 enslaved people, family, and friends using what was known back in the day as the Underground Railroad. Here's the quote. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember, you have within you the strength, 
the patience and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Judy Cubis, have you recovered from best practices for automotive? How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Bonnie. How are you? I'm I'm well. I really enjoyed my time with you and your attendees last week doing those remote interviews. It was it was great to hear so many perspectives. So Judy, talk to me about this quote just briefly. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Who's the dreamer in automotive today? Is it the customer? Is it the industry? Who who's dreaming? Well, I think what what was very obvious from the conference is there's a lot of people out there who are dreaming. You know, whether it's what the next concept car will look like, what the partnerships will look like, how they're going to implement all of these things in a way in the IT systems and platforms. I think what was so inspiring about the conference that it was very clear that there are many different ways to dream. Very interesting. What's your favorite way to dream? Are you dreaming about being part of the autonomous car industry that's, that's coming to a highway and a byway near us? Are you dreaming about uh, <laughs> subscribing to a, a car sharing service, Judy, where one day you could just pick up a car at a central location to take you into the mountains for skiing for the weekend and then bring that back, deposit it, and the next weekend rent a sports car or, or subscribe to a sports car that has a great convertible top and you can go off to the beach? What's your dream? I, I think that would be very cool, but I think my dream would be <laughs> in line with GM, zero congestion. <laughs> ah, time. you're yeah. dreaming in a very practical way. I like that a lot. Thank you very much, Judy. Yeah. You and I are going to introduce a couple of roll-ins soon, and, and we're going to have some very interesting conversation about them. So thank you for joining me, and thanks for setting this up. And now let's move around the table to Aspen Manapali. And Aspen has Aspen has sent us a quote from, I hope I pronounce this right, Rabindranath Tagore, T-A-G-O-R-E, maybe Tagore, uh, lived from 1861 to 1941. He was a Bengali polymath from the Indian subcontinent, also a poet, a musician, and an artist. He reshaped Bengali literature and music, as well as Indian art with something called contextual modernism. And here is the quote. The truth comes as conqueror only because we have lost the art of receiving it as guest. Oh my, such a deep, deep quote. Aswin, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Glad to be here. Well, we're delighted to have you. So talk to me about this quote. What is the truth in automotive? Is it conquering us or is it is it just being, are we letting it in as a reluctant guest? See, that's the most interesting thing because automotive is going to change in the next five years more than it has changed in the past 50. Everything is up for grabs. And if we need to accept this truth and we need to build our organizations and our capacities and partnerships, deal with that. Otherwise, we're going to get conquered. So that's the truth. And we either have a choice of changing with the times or becoming irrelevant. Interesting. Aspen, I was mentioning in my opening that the industry lines are blurring. And we talk about this in almost every industry today. But in automotive, it seems that there are so many newcomers or companies, I won't say on the fringe, I just said it, but companies that have something that could be part of automotive. So talking about the truth is the truth that companies that are already long-standing, long-driving in the industry have to modernize, update, digitize, digitalize, whatever word you prefer, and that they, the truth is the industry is changing and it's changing very, very fast. What's your thought on that? <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, one thing I will say is if you 
asked someone maybe 10 years ago of a search engine company getting into automotive, they would have laughed at you. But now it's a reality. Not only in America with Google, but all over. For example, China, Baidu, etc. So that is the world that we're living in. And that is, I guess, the reality and truth. I like that very much. Thank you. That was a great example, by the way. Nobody really knew where we would be at this point in time. It's an exciting industry. Thank you, Aswin, and welcome. And now we're welcoming Andrew Winnick, as I said, Director of Industry Marketing at SAP. And Andrew has sent us a wonderful quote that most people think comes from Winston Churchill, and we can go with that. But in truth, <clears throat> it was said decades before Churchill was quoted as saying it. He used it, but he didn't originate it. And just for the sake of clarity and truth being not not a guest, but a conqueror here, Andrew. I have to say that the quote came from a Budweiser beer ad in 1938. It's still a great quote, and here it is. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Andrew Winnick, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Thank you very much. Thanks for the quote. Talk to me. Who is succeeding? It's not final. Who is failing? It's not fatal in the automotive industry. Any thoughts? Well, I think there's a lot of, I mean, I don't want to get who's succeeding, who's failing, but I think it's really symbolic of the industry as a whole, where you look where it's come from the last 10 years or so, where really a lot of these companies were really just you know, on the verge of collapse and really struggling, and they've really you know, turned the industry around and, and, and pulled themselves up and continued to fight, uh, regardless of, of the, the, the odds against them. And now you see how they're, they're working with, Search engine companies are working with cloud companies. They're working with you know, different vendors and you know really growing their global ecosystem to improve their businesses. And I think what really kind of drew me to it, not just a personal model of how I uh, how I uh, face my own personal successes and failures, but also how the industry as a whole has really moved into the 21st century. Uh, not only in how they're developing cars and how they're developing technology, but how they're using those technologies to improve their own businesses and improve the way they run. Thank you very much. Do you think there's a company that considers itself currently part of automotive, that broad, broad industry, Andrew, that doesn't realize they have to modernize and update and and transform their systems? Is there any company sitting on, and you don't have to name them, but are there any big companies sitting on the sidelines saying, it's always been good enough, we're still here, it's fine? Anybody doing that? Um, I think you may see that in maybe the smaller niche areas where, where they, they have a very specialized market. But I think as a whole, the industry, the industry does realize that, that it's changing, and they, they hear it from their customers. And they, they, they know their customers want to be able to leverage these new technologies and new solutions. They know that if they don't change, they, will, they, they won't survive. There I'm, you I'm go. sure, like I said, in small niche areas, I'm sure there's a few here and there. Okay, thank you very much. Just wanted a reality check. Judy, we're going to quickly go around the table and find out where each of you are today and what's your favorite drink, and then we will, I think we'll get started with uh, the first of the interview roll-ins. I did a very interesting interview with Frank Rinderknecht, who is the founder of Rinspeed, very interesting man. But Judy, where are you today, and what's your favorite drink that powers you to do great things like best practices for automotive? Well, I'm in Palo Alto, so it's still pretty early here. So I'm, even though I've lived in the U.S. for quite a while now, I'm still British in the sense that I can't start the day without a cup of black tea. So mm. that's what I like to drink in the morning. Okay. And I have Go to ahead. make it myself because you can't buy black tea made the English way in the U.S. So. Oh, dear. And how do you make it? What's, what's the secret to making authentic black English tea? 
boiling water. <laughs> Judy, when I first started Game Changers Radio eight years ago, early on in the in the uh, the history of the show, I had a British gentleman was a panelist, and he went through. The litany of it was the thickness of the china in the cup. He had imported cups <laughs> of very delicate china, and he was giving us, telling us exactly how thick the china had to be, exactly the temperature of the water, how what the tea ball where you put the tea leaves in had to look like, how long you had to steep it, and at exactly what temperature you were starting to sip it to get the man. And he said, what did he said? He said tea bags which were very popular in the U.S., he said tea bags are just dusty tea. Would you agree with that? <laughs> no. No, I, I know where he's coming from, but I use tea bags. I do buy British tea bags, um, okay. PG tips at the moment. But it's basically boiling water. You need the water really hot to percolate the flavor of the tea. Otherwise, it, it, it doesn't get the flavor Thank you very much. There's a purist for us. And Aspen Manapali, Aspen, where are you today? And Aspen, what do you love to drink? So I'm in Philadelphia today, and I have two answers to this. I love, in the daytime, drinking jasmine tea because it's just an amazing kind of way to get myself focused. And during the nighttime, I'm a huge fan of mojito because I think Hemingway, it was Hemingway's favorite drink, and I love Hemingway. Ah, very interesting. Do you have a special recipe for mojito? Uh, no, it's just simple stuff. Simple stuff always works. Okay, thank you very much. Nice to have you on board, Aswin Manapali. And let's get Andrew Winnick on board. Andrew, where are you today, and what do you love to drink? And it doesn't have to be Budweiser, because that was the source of the quote. What's your... What's your I'm uh, sorry. I am, I am actually uh, working from home in New Jersey, along the Jersey Shore today. And um, I am, uh, you know, in the morning, a coffee drinker. That's that's like I need my my morning coffee to kind of jolt myself and get going. And in the evening, usually it's actually um, a glass of wine or or a on occasion a vodka tonic. Ah, I'd love to know what kind of coffee powers you. Um, I use actually a half decaf uh, local blend, or if I go out, um, the, the, generally the, the local Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, a lot of people still favor Dunkin' Donuts. Appreciate that very much. And now let's go around, back around the table. Judy knows, Aswin and Andrew don't know, I'm not allowed to go anywhere near caffeine on Game Changers radio show days. And this is my first of two shows. The next one is an hour after this one is done. So I'm just only allowed to have water. So I have cool, clear water in a mug. And I am, I'm in Durham, North Carolina. And I have to do a shout out to everybody who sent their wishes of concern. We particularly dodged Hurricane Florence. We didn't get her, but we had five days of wind and rain and the threat of flooding and flash flooding, and we didn't lose power. Uh, I lost an internet modem and had to replace and restore and do everything with my own equipment in emergency to be able to do what I do for SAP Game Changers Radio. But yesterday morning, we were awakened by bulletins, blasts on cell phones, landline phones that we were under a tornado watch. And it turns out the tornadoes were about a mile from here and the TV news was tracking them minute by minute, street by street in downtown Durham. I don't think they hit, but they were hovering and they were circling the blocks on the news on TV. I never lost TV power, which was interesting. Never been through that and we are safe and it's a gorgeous day here in Durham today. Warm, sunny, blue sky, 
thank goodness we survived and sorry for all the people who didn't do as well in other parts of the state and I hope that aid reaches you soon so there's my shout out to Hurricane Florence we were not hit so let's go to Judy Judy I'm not going to take a break right now I think we're going to go with our first roll in and I have here in my notes that we're going to be hearing from Frank Rinderconnect Rinspeed you want to just set us up a little bit what's he going to be talking about yeah, so Frank is definitely one of the inspirations and dreamers, to go back to my quote. He did the keynote and um, talking about, you know, the innovations he's contributed to the automo- automobile industry over the last 40 years, and specifically um, a new concept car that his company has been working on and sort of what that could mean for the industry going forward. Thank you very much. I know Aaron is ready. Aaron, let's roll in the clip where I'm interviewing Frank Rinderconnect at Rinspeed at Best Practices for Automotive in Detroit last week. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Hello, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, back with some more very interesting people. I have a very special guest here speaking with me. He's in Detroit at SAP's Best Practices for Automotive Conference. Just flew in from Europe, so happy he is taking the time to speak with me. His name is Frank Rinder Connect. Let me just spell that in case you want to look him up and learn more. R-I-N-D-E-R-K-N-E-C-H-T. And he is the CEO and founder of an amazingly innovative company in the automotive sector called Rinspeed, R-I-N-S-P-E-E-D. Frank, welcome and thank you for making the journey to be at BP for Automotive. How are you today? Great, but we just come in, as you said, but feeling good and uh, really excited to speak to you. Wonderful. I'm excited to speak to you for many reasons. Number one, I know you're, you have such an, an interesting product, something you've created. You're going to tell us about that in a second. And rumor has it you're presenting a keynote at the conference. So I want a sneak preview of the highlights of what you're going to be talking about. But first, tell everybody, what is Rinspeed? Why did you create the company and what are you best known for? I created Rinspeed some 40 years ago, always uh, being passionate about the future of mobility, being passionate about creativity and, you know, pushing borders, trying to look for the sky and the stars. And uh, in plain Mm. words, uh, today we are a think tank for the mobility industry. We want to be thought leaders, we want to be sparehead of what technologies, materials, services have in store for us uh, for the next 5, 10, 15 years to come. And we all know mobility is a great industry, but it's an industry which will change drastically. And we start to feel it, you know, with electromobility, with autonomous driving, new technologies are knocking at the door. Frank, you said you started the company 40 years ago. That was, you've seen such an evolution in automotive. It's quite amazing. Tell us about the the actual invention. When people think of Rinspeed, anybody who's heard of the company, there is a, a vehicle, but it's very creatively designed. Can you describe it for us? Yes, I absolutely can. But before, I'd like to mention a product which I invented some 30 years ago, a little bit more. It's a product all of the listeners, including yourself, are using every day you drive. That's the steering wheel with the buttons integrated to control the volume of your radio or your cruise control, whatever have you. I invented that. So it's a product all American consumers use daily. 
So what we have shown and what I will be talking about tomorrow at my mm -hmm. keynote is a truly disruptive idea on how to set, set up vehicles. The base of it is that I think the automotive industry is heading for their biggest problem ever. And that problem is called lifespan. So as of today, mm -hmm. it gets about 20 years in mechanical mm -hmm. life, but we start to put more and more IT into that vehicle. And we all know IT lives at best maybe four to five years. So far, it's nice if you have infotainment or navigation, it doesn't really you know, hurt yourself. It doesn't work anymore or that properly anymore, but with autonomous driving, it's about the safety and the health of yourself, your children, and all of your beloved ones. So we said we have to bring in tune the two lifespans, and that means that we separate whatever is expensive, whatever is time-sensitive into, let's call it a, a chassis, we call it a skateboard, and then mm -hmm. we have the parts, the bodies up, which can be changed depending on the use of the day, of transportation needs of people, of goods, and whatever. And the skateboard is whistling around day and night and amortizes itself a lot faster when you just would have a normal car, which you use like 5 to 7% of your day or your month. Mm -hmm. So that's in short, uh, it's, a, it's an idea. It uh, is really going uh, far beyond uh, when we showed it first time uh, this year at CES and then in Geneva and many other shows. Uh, people were truly interested, but we also had a lot of people uh, saying, well, this will be never working, that's too crazy. Um, amazingly, what happened on this Monday was that Mercedes-Benz announced the exact same system which we invented a year ago, claimed it to be theirs, but gave us a lot of credibility and validation, of course, for our idea. Thank you. Fascinating. And Frank, before we continue, I have to say thank you to you for inventing the steering wheel with the buttons to control the audio because they make life a lot easier when you're driving and not have to reach over to the middle of the console to do something with the audio. So thank you very much. There we go. We're back live. Judy, what do you think? Some interesting conversation there with my interview with Frank Rinderknecht. What do you think? Yeah, and Frank gave a really great um, keynote the following day on the Thursday, you know, talking about his concept car and, you know, asking about, he was asked a question from the audience about he always, how he stays so creative. And I, I think it's a great insight. I mean, his perspective that everybody can be um, creative, you know, you have to have a passion for learning and, you know, just continuously stretch yourself. But he, his perspectives on where the industry can go, what cars can do, um, what, you know, like a cargo car and a fashion car and, uh, you know, a sleeping car. That it's, I mean, I think his thoughts on where the industry will go were very inspiring to the entire audience. Thank you very much. Aswin, you're a tech writer. What did you think about Frank Rin I want to make sure I get his name right. Frank Rinderconnect. Uh, what did you think about Frank's presentation? Any thoughts about the snap car and his 40 years of creativity in automotive? Thoughts? Absolutely. I think the most interesting thing that comes off just listening to his keynote is he's genuinely passionate about wanting to change automotive. And he began with this quote of how even when he was a kid, 
was changing his handlebars to make it look like stuff he saw in the movie. So he's a genuine gearhead, and you just get the fact that he cares about this stuff. As for the technology itself, I think it's fascinating. The idea that you can somehow decouple the box, as in create a chassis, and create a kind of mobility unit underneath, that just opens up so many possibilities. You can have, you know, a shopping module that you can sell services on top of. So it's just the world of it and the way that Frank is thinking about this mobility problem is really exciting. Thank you very much. Very interesting from your writer, your observation as a reporter in the industry for a long time. Andrew Winnick, thoughts about Rinspeed? Any thoughts about this? Uh, cre- Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting is, is the vision of how seamless our lives will become. Where, you know, transportation has always been something you did when you, you're home, you go, you get in your car, you go to work, then you do work, then you get in your car, you go to the mall. And it was everything's kind of segmented where now you see with mobility and the integration of all the smart cars and, and self-driving cars and eventually the Hyperloop and what Frank is doing is how everything's going to merge together. And really over the next 20, 10, 20, 30 years, you're really going to see this, uh, this seamless existence where you're going to be able to just continue with your life regardless of whether you're home or in the office or, or just driving down the street. Thank you. Andrew, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a minute because I know you were involved with the Best Practices for Automotive Excellence Awards at the conference last week. If I named the award, would you tell me a little bit about who the winner was and why? Are you ready for that? Uh, sure. Just uh, give me a minute here. bring up my, uh, my notes so I can make sure I have the right information for you. Sure. Okay, so the first one I want to talk about is the Digital Disruptor, and it sounds to me like this would have been an award with a lot of contenders, a lot of opportunities for so many companies to vie for this one because the industry is full of disruptors and the name of the game is digital one way or another. So I understand that uh, GM won this award. Can you tell me a little bit about the qualifications to be in the game for this one? Yeah, so for this one, you know, the, 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 the qualifications were basically using technology and digital solutions to, to take a new approach in, on how companies do something they've been doing for a long time or, or modernizing an existing process. And GM is doing some really interesting things about managing their financial, their financial management and their financial reporting. They're using, uh, they're centralizing the reporting and they're, they're, they're Doing everything's digital instead of a lot of times multiple spreadsheets, multiple data sources, and everything's being harmonized and centralized. And it's really, it's really um, speeded up their their financial processes, where they're saving a lot of money because they're getting done a lot faster. They're increasing their accuracy, and this is really something they started out small, the like test market is being rolled out globally, and mm-hmm. it's really just going to revolutionize the way their 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 accounting and their financial reporting is managed. Thank you. Next award, Excellence in Operational Performance, was garnered by Borg Warner. Tell me what they did. Um, so they, they're, they're using uh, technology and, and training programs to, to improve manufacturing and, 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 and production flows, where they were having a lot of bottlenecks or having you know, a lot of issues with their manufacturing and their, their production because um, they had a lot of these solutions that weren't being utilized. They had some shelfware. Now they, they took a new approach to educate their, their workforces and to make sure they understood the tools that they had and how, the, how they could utilize them to improve the performance of their company. And they've seen just, just by, the, by the teams and the management working together to get a better understanding of, what, of, of what's available to help them 
do their jobs better. They've seen just an exponential improvement in, in, in performance. Thank you very much. And the third award, Breaking the Mold, earned by Volkswagen Group of America. What was that all about? So Yeah, so Volkswagen, you know, they have dealerships all across the country, all across the world, and they've had some, some you know, they have a centralized calling area where the dealers call in for challenges or problems, whether it's a uh, production problem or a finance problem or whatever it is, and they they've, they basically couldn't keep up with the volume, and there were, there were the delays and they were having some, some challenges, <clears throat> excuse me, with dealer satisfaction. So they, they added a chat option to the portal, where instead of calling, you can then you know, chat with somebody in real time. And they tested it out just by, by expanding their, band, the, their bandwidth of, of inquiries that they could handle. They've seen their satisfaction incrementally go up, increase, where dealers no longer have to sit on the phone now to talk to anybody. They can just pop up, chat somebody, get an answer, and be done. So now with the success of that in, in, in test areas, they're now building out entire teams that will focus on, on interacting with your dealers using chat technology. Very interesting. It's coming. I want to thank you, Andrew. I want to circle around to Judy. Judy, any comments on the winners of these awards and, and how competitive this was? Judy Kubis? Um, I mean, it was great to actually see the awards being presented and um, sort of hear a summary of the stories that Andrew's just um, shared. I think uh, the competitiveness, Andrew would be a better person to talk about that because he was really driving those excellence awards. Okay. Any other comments from anybody else on the awards? Before we do another roll-in, I'm ready to roll in Brian Vogt at PwC. Aswin, anything you'd like to add? Go ahead. I mean, just two seconds on, on the awards. Yeah. I mean, it was. We had, we had quite a few submissions, and we had our panel of judges, not just SAP, but from several other organizations. And I was, well, I was kind of the project manager. I wasn't, I wasn't one of the judges. So to actually be on the calls and hear the, the debate back and forth on who should win was, was uh, it was interesting, but it was, it was a competitive process. Okay, and probably very competitive. And, and Aswin, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm looking at your notes you sent me before the show, and one of the keys that jumps out, you say here, everyone is getting into the mobility business. We talked about that. Going alone is meaningless, and you say um, the trick is getting end-to-end mobility as a service, cooperation, not competition. How big is the word cooperation in the industry right now versus the old of competition? I have something to say on that. Aswin, what's your observation? I think that the name of the game definitely is more along the lines of collaboration than competition, because if everyone competes away with limited resources, I, I don't think it's going to be good for the industry, and most of all, it's not going to be good for the end consumer. But people have certain competitive advantages in each different firm that they have, and once they're able to chain all those competitive advantages together, I think that is where the future of mobility is going to really unlock. And that's the kind of new competition over Mm -hmm. is over. Thank you very much. Judy, shall we do another roll-in, the one from Brian Vogt at PwC? You ready? Yeah. I mean, so Brian was also there speaking, but he shared with us on our interview about a survey that PwC has commissioned around what's happening in the after-service market and also how that survey has evolved to be able to capture some of the changes around digitalization and uh, mobility that they're seeing throughout the industry. 
Thank you, Judy. And Aaron, our engineer, is ready to roll it. So let's have Brian vote at PwC. Aaron, let's do it. Hello again. This is Bonnie D. Graham at SAP's Best Practices for Automotive Conference, speaking to some very interesting people in Detroit at this year's conference. And it's my pleasure now to chat with Brian Vogt. He spells his last name V-O-G-T if you want to find out more about him. And he's with PwC. And Brian has some exciting news about a transportation industry study that PwC is going to be releasing this December. and We're still in 2018. So, Brian Vogt, thank you for taking time out. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for joining me. So here you are. You're in Detroit, and we're going to talk a little bit about your impressions about the conference. But I think everybody wants to know what is going to be in this industry study coming out in December. So can you give us some insights, please? Yes, uh, absolutely, Bonnie. Yeah, as uh, everyone knows, there's a lot going on in the industry technology-wise. Um, but the industry is really struggling. Of What does it really mean? So when you look at some of the key key indicators in this country what's going on you know we've got over 270 million cars on the road in the u.s today congestion costs alone are in the tune of 130 to 300 billion dollars a year Mm. that's four times the cost that we spend on mass transportation almost double the cost on what we spend on our roads and and highways so it's a significant issue. And when you look at really what, what the industry is trying to, to figure out is with autonomous vehicles, um, you know, you've got, you know, ri- you know, ride shares, you've got, uh, you know, vehicle to vehicle communications taking place. Um, you have a local governments really trying to control the traffic patterns within the cities. Uh, there is tremendous opportunity to really change the way in North America people get from point A to point B. And, and why it's so mm-hmm. significant, Bonnie, is that the, uh, the United States, from uh, a life index, uh, a livability index, uh, rates really poorly on the global scale. In fact, our, the only city that really comes up up in the high end of that scale, which rates 23, is Honolulu. So mm. oh, America really has not addressed the livability issue around how people move from point A to point B. And in the United States, the biggest issue moving from point A to point B is congestion. Uh, it's a significant issue. And in fact, the average American spends at least 41 hours a year in congestion. And that's the average American. When you look at people that commute in the cities, I think we all know the impact to the quality of our lives. So this study is, is really trying to put all the facts on the table and try to really to help the industry understand, you know, technology, it's a great vehicle to provide change to people and behavior and the quality of life. But what the really what's going to come out in the study is in order to get there, there's going to be more pain. And as more technology mm. comes the complexity and the congestion is getting worse. Perfect example, go to any street corner in Chicago or New York. Go look at the cars that are around you on a major intersection. You know what you see? You see Lyft. You see Uber. You have the cars that are clogging up the downtown areas. And what they do is they just circle the neighborhoods until they find a passenger. And then now you throw all the taxis on top of that. 
So, I mean, there's major problems that our cities are going to need to address. And the way this study helps the cities think about it is how you can start thinking about leveraging technology. For example, you know, should those Uber drivers go into an empty parking lot that has availability mm-hmm. in the near area? Leveraging technology from a vehicle to the internet or from a vehicle to vehicle communication, that's really what this uh, technology study will, will be, uh, be highlighting uh, when it comes out later this year. Thank you, Brian. Fascinating. And I have to tell you that I recently relocated from Long Island, New York to Durham, North Carolina, and I was shocked that we actually have, quote unquote, rush hour traffic here on uh, Glenwood Route 70 starting at around 3.30 in the afternoon. It's nothing, nothing like the Long Island Expressway traffic, which I endured for over 30 years. I used to work on Long Island and a commute was the miles and the time plus enough (laughs) judy i was getting into my personal observations about congestion judy any comments about what brian vote was discussing about the pwc study talk to me i i mean i'm looking forward to it coming out i mean i think he's right on about congestion you know and how these new models are really going to change you know, traffic patterns, how things are really going to evolve. And I think there is going to be some pain. Um, one of the interesting discussions during the, com- the conference was about risk, about how um, traditional car manufacturers have been really risk-averse and how these new companies such as Uber and Lyft you know, they're much less risk averse. They're really trying things, seeing how they go and how these two different perspectives are going to come together and, and, and sort of carve out a path in the middle. I mean, when people talk about autonomous cars, the perception of risk is front and center. You know, there's, there's been a lot of concern about the accident um, of, with the autonomous car, with somebody stepping out. But the... Reality is probably that autonomous cars would really slash a lot of um, accidents because a lot Mm -hmm. of those are caused by human error. They probably won't get rid of all of them, but um, we we need to think about that and how the insurance models are going to change. So I think his survey sort of uh, touches the tip of the iceberg of all of these changes as our models um, our transportation models change and how that's going to impact, you know, all different aspects of our society. Thank you, Judy. Aswin Manapali, love to get your thoughts on some of the topics that we just covered in Brian Vogt's preview of the PwC study. Any thoughts from your perspective as an observer of automotive? I think that the PwC study is really useful because it helps us think about unintended consequences. And, you know, for example, more Ubers, more Lyft means more congestion. And that ultimately comes down to the most important thing, which is the end rider or user experience. If a new technology is introduced and it makes their life more complicated, more stressful, mm-hmm. it's not good. So we really need to think deeply about what are the unintended consequences. And this study helps us think through those. And once we kind of have a good grasp of those, we can really design a fuller experience, uh, you know, dealing with some of the things that he talked about to mitigate congestion. 
And then once we have that in place, I think that is where we really start to get, you know, it's an overused phrase, but I think it makes sense, delighting the customer with a mobility solution. Uh, wouldn't that be delightful to delight the automotive customer? I would like that. Uh, Andrew Winnick, love to get your quick thoughts before we do our next role in which is going to be Lawrence Echelbaum. So go ahead. Andrew, yeah, thoughts? So- yeah, um, I, I, I think we're really at a transitional point when it, when it comes to these issues um, with, with climate change and, and congestion, all he's talking about. I think what you're going to see over the next you know, few years, autonomous cars are going to continue to develop. I think eventually it's going to lead to more of a managed grid that will minimize congestion. But you also see what's going on with like Uber is moving in the, into the air, where in certain cities they're test piloting Uber helicopters where they're trying to get people off the ground completely. Mm. And then you'll, you'll see, uh, you know, alongside that development of things like the Hyperloop, that's going to help, help uh, reduce congestion as well. So I think there's multiple technologies being developed and multiple tracks is going to come together over the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. Where I think you'll see a revolution, you know, a revolution in how we get, get around. Um, I don't think personal cars will go away, but the way we use them will, will completely change. Thank you very much. I have something interesting in mind for the three of you for my predictions round. It'll be something I asked all of the people I interviewed at Best Practices. Judy knows what it is. Judy, you want to set me up quickly for this next roll-in of an interview with Lawrence Echelbaum at SAP about partnerships? What is he talking about? So Lawrence was also um, part of a keynote panel with um, people from here, Technologies and Spot Now. And I think that panel really exemplified sort of collaboration and partnerships. You know, that SAP is as has um, a vehicle network and is working with different partners to bring a more rich experience for all our customers. So um, Spot Now delivers parking reservations and here Technologies has a lot of the sort of visualization, digital mapping um, capabilities. And the three of the three panelists talk about how they're collaborating together to, as Aslin said, delight the customer. And I think um, they were very clear that on their own, the sum of the parts together really gives a much better experience for all of the customers. And this network platform approach is really, you know, where the industry is heading. Thank you very much, Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire. Let's roll in Lawrence, Laurence Echelbaum's interview. Go ahead. Hello, this is Bonnie D. Graham for SAP Best Practices for Automotive Conference in Detroit. I'm speaking today with Lawrence Echelbaum, and he is at SAP. And he's going to be part of the team that is presenting a keynote tomorrow at the conference. So, Lawrence, welcome. How are you? And talk to me about what's going to happen in the keynote tomorrow. Hey, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. All is well. And I hope um, you're doing well, too. Uh, very excited to um, do the keynote tomorrow at uh, Best Practices for Automotive. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about innovations um, that are hitting the automotive industry um, not necessarily from from a you know data uh, analytics perspective, but more towards you know new initiatives around mobility as a service, uh, triggered by um, you know the electrification, the connectivity, um, the the uh, shared aspects of, and of mm-hmm. course um, aspect of vehicles. So that opens up a whole new. Um, spectrum of opportunities and has a huge impact on everything we see and do 
in the next couple of years. And I'm very excited, as you can hear, to, to speak about that and also learn more from our customers who bring their knowledge to the table. Very interesting you brought that up, Lawrence. I've, I've heard I've been doing these interviews for a couple of years for a BP for auto, and I hear from so many attendees, whether they're keynotes like you, whether they're industry analysts, they're executives at automotive companies, um, whoever they are, that they really enjoy the camaraderie the collaborative mindset. Somebody even mentioned to me on another interview I did a little while ago that they enjoy meeting their competitors and finding out what's the perspective on what's happening in automotive. So what do you see as the value of actually meeting face-to-face with people in the broad automotive industry? What's your thought? I think that um, that here is a perfect atmosphere to have a chat, you know, almost in an informal way, in a non-threatening way, to share experiences, opinions, and, and best practices. And I think there's kind of almost like a collaborative like mm-hmm. effort to, to come up with new innovations, eco-innovation, new business models, and also have the opportunity to speak more or less freely about that. And that's what I really like about this conference. I, I think that's what I've been hearing. Thank you for validating that. Question for you. You mentioned a lot of the innovations coming. Okay. Interesting. We had a, a brief moment there of my conversation with Lawrence Echelbaum. Judy, uh, in the interest of time, we've got about 12 minutes till the, well, actually uh, nine minutes till the end of the show. Shall we roll in quickly? Shannon Connell at MTG talking about design thinking and automotive. Are you ready for that, Judy? Yeah. Do you want to roll that in quickly? I okay. Mean, Shannon. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, Shannon did a, a session that was to a packed room, really talking about the value of design thinking across, um, you know, all aspects of the, the industry and how making sure that you get different perspectives, perspectives that you don't usually bring in can really come up with innovative solutions to the challenges that we're facing. Thank you very much. Aaron is ready. Let's do the Shannon Connell roll-in. Aaron. Hello again. This is Bonnie D. Graham speaking with some really interesting people at SAP's Best Practices for Automotive Conference in Detroit, the Motor City. And right now, I'm very happy to be chatting with Shannon Connell. She's a partner at MTG. We spoke with John Grant, one of her partners, a little while ago. And John told me Shannon is going to be interested in speaking to us about design thinking and organizational change and how they apply to automotive. So, Shannon Connell, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for joining me. So you're at the conference. Um, Tell me before we start talking about what you do and your interesting approach to automotive, have you seen any really fascinating, exciting trends at the conference? And are you looking forward to some more? Tell me a little bit about what's going on. I think autonomous vehicles has certainly captured the attention and imagination of a lot of the people here at the conference. And what I have found intriguing about this concept is really about the connectivity, Um, the connectivity of consumers or end users to the vehicle itself and what it might really feel like to be um, in a car of the future and the connectivity of vehicles to vehicles or kind of that peer-to-peer connection that we've heard discussed a little bit, as well as just the overall connection of having, you know, such a a large IoT, um, you know, 
product in, in our homes um, and that we're driving and, and utilizing for transportation. So I've just been really intrigued by the conversations that have been evolving around um, connectivity in, in general and, and how this is just maybe going to change us um, a lot more than, uh, you know, we might have anticipated originally. Interesting perspective. Shannon, design thinking. I've heard various definitions of it. This is something you do, you practice, you talk about. Give us your version of what is design thinking, especially when it's applied to the automotive industry today. How is it working? Yeah, so I think there are some great examples of how design thinking is being utilized in automotive today. We're seeing it from, you know, marketing campaigns, from a variety of different um, organizations who are just really thinking differently with how they're framing up um, what the brand might mean to a consumer, the idea of fun and adventure with driving. Um, we're seeing design thinking really impact a lot of system um, implementation. It's always been a part of SAP. Um, the Hasso Platter, um, you know, connection is, is rich and mm -hmm. uh, deep. And so that has always been something that is really integral, I think, to um, SAP. And so as we're, as we're really looking at what does design thinking do for automotive and what can it do for automotive in the future, I think it is now starting to hit on so many more aspects of, of a business than perhaps it did in the past. Um, maybe even less so in terms of how it's really implementing uh, concepts and ideas into um, the marketing, but more so into how a business is functioning throughout. There we go. Thank you very much, Erin. Judy, we had four quick insights into interviews, different aspects of innovation and digital in automotive. We've heard Frank Rinder connect at Rinspeed. We've heard Brian Vogt at PwC, Lawrence Echelbaum at SAP, and Shannon Connell at MTG. Judy, design thinking, uh, is this, as she said, part of an integral part of automotive for quite a while now? What do you think? I, th I think so. I think this is a proven tool to really find an innovative way to solve the problems. And I think without tools like this or agile methodology, which, I, which is slightly different, becoming more responsive and coming up with creative solutions to the issues that are being addressed, things are going to, to be missed. And I think that it's it, it, going back to the risk question I think there's going to be a lot of things tried and not everything will work but I think that cycle of innovation try fail uh, succeed learn from it move on is is going to be something that uh, we'll see a lot more in the in the space I mean we're already seeing it in places like San Francisco people are trying scooter sharing that they're just putting out on the streets, which then, you know, people are trying to then sort of control or scale back. So I think we'll see across the whole spectrum a lot more use of tools like that. And we had other discussions at the conference around not only sort of design thinking, but how things are being implemented using agile methodology and other and. Toyota did a really good presentation of how they've sort of streamlined their presentations and been very successful using those different different methodologies. 
Judy, I want to thank you so much for helping me set up this very different type of uh, of a live radio show for Future of Cars with Game Changers. But I want to do a quick prediction here. We've just got about 20 seconds for each of you. So first Judy Cubis, then Aswin Manapali, and then Andrew Winnick. Uh, by 2025, will you still have the keys to your own vehicle in your own garage? Will you be part of the subscription ride-sharing economy or will you be a part of or have your own autonomous vehicle with a with a robot driver you can't see judy cubis give me a quick prediction where will you be in 2025 with automotive fast i i think that i will not have a car i think i you asked me this before and i'm definitely going to be part of the subscription I I think having the ability to have different cars for different use cases and not have to teach my kids to drive will definitely be the way that I want to go. I heard that from Shannon Connell as well. Don't worry about your kid taking driver's ed. Aswin, talk to me. 2025, will you own a car or will you be part of ride-sharing or subscription? Fast, what do you think? So I love cars, and as much as I love to think that I'm going to own my own car, chances are I'm going to be probably part of the subscription network. Thank you. Andrew Winnick, subscription, ride-sharing, or your own? Well, as somebody teaching his oldest daughter to drive in about three weeks, um, I think 2025 we will still own cars, but I think if you're in a more cosmopolitan uh, urban area, that'll be a, 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 a subscription. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm planning to keep my, I buy my sports cars used. I'm a Z fan. I've got a 370Z pearl white red rag top, and it just is a beautiful experience doing 80 on 540 here in, in Durham, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, and I'm not giving it up anytime soon. So by 2025, I may still be driving that car. Who knows if they let me keep driving. So Judy Cubis, thank you so much. Been such a pleasure. Aspen Manapali, just delighted to meet you. Keep doing what you're doing. Andrew Winnick, thank Thanks so much for bringing us the overview of the Best Practices for Automotive Excellence Awards. I think it's a great idea. Should keep it going in future BP for Auto events. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. And thank you to Aaron, Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio. Aaron, thanks for the Rollins. And a shout out also to Ryan Treasure, VP of Tech there, VP of World Talk Radio, for helping set this up. And here's my call to action. A shout out also to Miranda Labate at SAP. So here's a call to action, and how appropriate. Fast in your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Let game changing drive who you are. Thank you to our game changers, Judy Cubis, Aswin Manapali, Andrew Winnick. Signing off for now. I'll be back in one hour with a live edition of our new show, Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, talking about vertical AI. You don't want to miss it right here on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.